Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mage Tahar is so sassy, we really wouldn't put it past her to swear. You shouldn't put it past us, either. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're reading chapter 10 of Melting Stones. So grab a cup of coffee, or tea, or your drink of choice. And let's make a point. Giant brings Talhar Catwalker to the inn, and she is both the oldest and sassiest resident of the island. Yeah. Evie tells the council about the volcano, and when they call bullshit, Fusspot defends her. Evie convinces Giant and Tahar to use magic to look into the past, and sure enough, Mount Grace is a volcano. Rosethorn sends Evie to bed as the talks continue, and after a very brief argument, she agrees. Step one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and didn't like about the chapter. I feel like we need to start with Tahar. Let's, yeah. Really like her. She's the oldest and sassiest resident. I'm such an old woman, but I I feel like her. I feel like we actually need to start with the opening two lines of this chapter, yes. which we read in our excerpt last week. I'm going to read them again. Giant came in with the oldest woman I had ever seen. Maybe she was as old as Lubo. Pretty damn old. <laughs> She's so old. What a roast. <laughs> to be compared to the, to the heart of the mountain. I know it probably wasn't meant to be an insult, but like if it, yeah, I'm glad she kept that inside too. Yeah. So yes, yeah, 
the best part about it is that Evie probably like honestly thinks that. I also love how Jayat handles her and and he said she Evie says that like Jayat handled her like she was made of eggs or something. And he's just very gentle and and she's you got me out of bed in the middle of the night and he's out of my warm bed and he's like and over here to a nice warm seat by the fire but i i think we understand like more of why giant is the way he is Brittany has talked about how he seems to have this like positive demeanor despite having been through all this crap and yeah. like even rose thorn is nice to him well he's been dealing with this lady who is as old as lubo for however long yeah. And he's he's had to learn all of that like patience and kindness and good graciousness. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Just it's just constantly on eggshells over there. <laughs> but he's clearly mastered it. I mean, I feel like Indy talks about how everyone has magic. I feel like that's Giant's magic. Yeah. He says that he has magical abilities, but his real magic is his ability to like soothe other people's souls yes defeat situation yeah delicately handle old people <laughs> which just really makes me wish that giant could meet briar like i want i want briar to be on this adventure again because they would just get on like a house on fire they really would yeah. they really really would I, I think the other big Tahar moment that we definitely have to talk about is when Azaze is introducing everyone and she's like, oh, this is Evie. The little fellow, the green and purple crystal one, is Master Luvo. He's the heart of a mountain, but not locally, as I understand it, to which Tahar responds, our mountains know better than to get up to such mischief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. So funny. She's got strong opinions, this lady. These are, like, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but these are just very salt-of-the-earth people. Like, just very humble, like, and they have very, stuff doesn't change there, I feel. Right. Yeah. So it's very much like, you know, this is the way it's always been. Nothing's ever going to change. Our mountains don't get into trouble because they're just fucking mountains, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah, this must be some of that fancy Yang Jing stuff where you got mountains moving, <laughs> like you city folk got moving mountains and little gummy bears made of rock. <laughs> like you say that that's a heart of a mountain, but it looks like a gummy bear to me. I mean, you guys are crazy. All you learned folk saying this is a mountain that don't look like no damn mountain. Yeah, I like some of these characters definitely give you like the the people who live here on this island give you the impression at least me the impression that they are a little country folk you know kind of a little backward just because they aren't living somewhere huge it's just a little island out in on the ocean but that doesn't mean they're stupid right there are some that are dumb but there are others that uh you know like tahar and azaze yeah that clearly are very competent and knowledgeable. Yeah. And you're going to find stupid people everywhere you go. Yes. And this, it's, that strikes me as like, oh, it's a city, that is a city mountain folk, you know, like our country mountains don't move. I've compared the island more than once to like living here in rural Arkansas. 
And I feel like your description of them is just, again, fits that comparison perfectly because there are so many people around here who have lived, like their families have lived here for generations. They haven't left. This is the life that they know. Their understanding and their knowledge of that life is very strong. And so they know things that are beyond my knowledge in certain areas like agriculture and farming, animals. I have learned so much about farming and farm animals and wildlife around here just by talking to our custodians at school because they have all that knowledge. But also because their families have lived here so long, things that don't happen around here and happen out in the big city or off the island or wherever are just like unfathomable. It's it's a very interesting duality, I guess. Evie also points out in this chapter the sort of salt of the earth vibe and the way that they react to her. I'm going to read this passage where she talks about magic and their reaction to it. One thing I had noticed in my travels with Briar and Rosethorn People took to them because their magic was ordinary. So Briar and Rosethorn talked to plants and played with them like pets. At the end of the day, they had dirt under their nails, stickers in their clothes, and a prop to show like everyone else. Unless people witnessed it when they did some great magic, calling out huge thorny vines from a gravel slope or turning a tiny tree into a giant one, they seemed like everyday people. They were the kind who got invited to meet daughters or say the blessing over the new grandbaby. But Luvo was not like that. Luvo was not every day. I wasn't every day. I was Luvo's friend and I had no liking for people. They were fine as long as they left me alone, of course. I preferred cats and rocks. The fact that Rosethorn is a great mage, but because she is a gardener, I love the specific description of at the end of the day, they still have dirt under their fingernails. So she's used to this like hard labor has some of that same small town country sort of knowledge, understanding of the world that these people would. Like people can tell that they work with their hands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they get in it and they do stuff instead of just writing in books or, you know. I don't feel like the series as a whole goes into it at length, but that does seem like one of those contrasts between ambient magic and ap- academic magic where academic magic is the fancy scroll writing wand waving magic word reciting stuff ambient magic because it's usually connected to crafting with tris being our big exception is just kind of ordinary the benefit of it is that people like briar or even like sandry or at least if she wasn't nobility can just kind of get around among everyday people, relate to them. Yeah. But then the downside is that the academic mages are like, you and your stupid small town magic where you do things with your hands. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe like maybe Pierce did that on purpose to kind of point out the importance of of these everyday labors. I, I definitely do feel like that was a deliberate choice. I mean, even early on, like, we see the difference between how academic mages versus ambient mages are treated. Yeah. I do feel like that was a very intentional choice, though I can't be 100% sure what commentary that is, Mm because that could be one of many. 
Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the great thing about literature is that so much of it is left up to interpretation. Yeah. Well, I guess since you already started reading Step Off, I think you should go first, Molly. All right. Um, Two pages in right now. <laughs> Unless. Murtide and I came in response to your complaints with regards to the poisoning of your plants, streams, and ponds. Evie and her friend Luvo came by chance, except that the gods seldom leave things to chance. I like this, that there's this sort of everything happens for a reason, and this is part of her religious tradition and her interpretation of what's going on, whether or not you agree with it. But I got kind of meta on this one because, like, this is a book. When we talk about the gods of characters in a book, at least in some sense, that's the author. And yeah, here's very much intended Evie and Lubo to be on this journey, obviously, as we wouldn't have a book otherwise. She puts them there for this purpose. So Interesting. It, in a very literal way, it, it, it it's, it's very, very true. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, that's cool. Rose Thorne has this blanket that Lark made her and she wraps around Evie and Evie's like, no, I can't use your blanket. Lark made it for you. And Rose Thorne's like, Lark made it for anyone who needs it. Yeah. It's just all the feels. All the feels at once. I don't know. I wrote that I like Evie's observation that Buspot does not fuss at the council members. He's obviously annoyed at them, but he he's much more patient with them than he is with her. I think he is distracted whenever he's dealing with them because he's trying to them that the water is trembling and everything. And he acts like he doesn't even notice that the guy was getting insulted uh, by him saying, what do you see in this cup? And the guy's like, stupid. And he's getting offended. But I feel like bus pot was like didn't even notice because he was so distracted like guys look at this everything is trembling why are you not seeing off the trembling which honestly that interpretation makes me feel like evie and bus pot have a lot more in common than they realize yeah which poor rose thorn right you know we described her in a previous chapter as being the mom who's traveling with the two bickering children and has to like separate them when they fight and all of this but yeah, like literally. Yes. <laughs> Rose Thorn admonishes Luvo for rudeness. He was being pretty rude. I was gonna say it's pretty fucking deserved though. Yes. I have that scene pulled up too. Master Herder says, I don't understand this at all. I know the herds have been odd for days, skittish, panicky. I thought it was so many earthquakes. I just don't understand why us, why our mountain? Have we offended some god? We try to pay respect to all the ones we know of, but perhaps we missed one. Our mountains have always been so quiet. And then Luvo responds by saying, Nonsense. I know that you meat creatures are exceedingly short-lived, but you are supposed to have minds and memories and eyes. You are supposed to use these things. And then he looks to Evie and asks, Are some breeds of human more stupid than others? So... Rose Thorne admonishes Lubo for being rude. He said that, I was like, oh my god, Lubo, savage. Jesus Christ, I was not expecting that from him at all. Like, wow. I mean, he has a point, though. He's not a point, but see? Oh, rock. And apparently this isn't the first time, because uh, Rose was like, this is, it's been a long time since I've heard you be rude. I'm like, 
what? Mm. Lupo knows how to be rude? What? The sweet little gummy bear is rude. Shocking. Is that shocking. enough for these shocking. people? And then I believe Lupo's response to her is very similar to the scene several chapters back where Evie was complaining about the way that she expected the islanders to treat rosethorn and yeah. he's just like look i've seen i've seen what people do to you they just use you and they don't care and they're not gonna listen so why are you wasting your time on that? that's actually part of my personal magic which yeah, then- we'll get into later but uh yeah it's <laughs> he has a point it's happened before i think it's really interesting that the lines of power that giant and tahar have been using it says here that they are tributaries of the Earth's faults. So, that, like, the lines of power are literally, like, the fault lines, which makes a lot of sense. But yeah, there's a lot of power to be found in places like that. There's a part, this is sort of towards the end. Rose Thorne's, like, telling Evie, go to bed. And she's like, no, I can stay up. And, and she's clearly exhausted and doesn't want to be there anyway. And Rose Thorne is described as being syrupy sweet. And I was just like, no, no, Evie, stop, stop now. Ramp, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. <laughs> but the the really big thing that always stood out to me in this chapter, and this is the last thing I have to talk about, is her description of magic. Because Giant and Tahar do this spell to see the volcano from centuries past that made their island. Evie talks about how long it takes. The fact that. She's been with Briar and Rosethorn long enough that she's forgotten that this is the way magic usually is. For most people, it's something that's very time-consuming. And it wasn't until she met them that magic happened at the pace of, here you go, I really like this contrast. And it's not something we see a lot because we're mostly working with these very powerful mages. But I really like the contrast of, yeah, You're reading about these incredibly powerful people, but most just everyday people, even the ones that have magic, this is a very slow and painstaking process. Yeah. It's it's a nice class division. It's it's one that you actually see in her other books as well. The spell that they do though, to me it's very cinematic and like I want to see this scene like in a movie. Evie's comment of she looked calm and beautiful. Uh, people wouldn't know she'd be writing all day. Like, just Rose Thorne having herself so put together. And just, I like that about her. Perhaps I am a bad mountain. Perhaps I should resign myself and wait for the earth cycle to take me. But I've grown attached to Ebu Mebe and to you. I would like to see more of your world. I would like to see Lark and Briar again. Aww. That's so sweet. He, li- he likes him. He really likes him. I prefer cats and rocks. God, that's a fucking mood. Me too. But I like cats and plants. That That's a mood. Every now and then, I like to do as I'm told. Just to confuse people. <laughs> that is also a mood. So a mood, yes. Like, a legit. I, I do like the line directly before that, though. Of my vows say I have to be nice to people sometimes for the good of my soul. You have it taken. <laughs> it is so you don't have to be nice. You don't have to be nice, people. Go away. <laughs> Walk off, small child. And those are mine. I'm gonna go get a needle. I will be right back. 
my first one that has it got stolen is when Rose Thorn is talking about Evie and she says, Evie is my friend, a young stone mage presently in training at Widening Circle. And Evie hangs her head so Rose Thorn doesn't see her blush when she is called her her friend. So sweet. Oh. Oh. Evie is Rose Thorn's friend. Why is she so surprised to hear that though? It's like, of course she's your friend. You've been through so much together. For her to not call you your friend? Come on, Evie. I feel like there's always like turning point between like a teacher student relationship and becoming friends. I guess time has something to do with it, but it, it takes a little bit to get there. There's that kind of separation of power. Yeah, of course yeah. they're friends. They've been through so much. They really have. That was the only one that I had that's gonna get saved. So I guess I'm done. Damn. Well, I don't have a ton either, to be honest. Right in the beginning, Rajayat is bringing in Tahar. She describes her as a cross patch, and I was like, I don't know what that is. I need to look that up. But it's just an irritable, irritable or bad-tempered person. Mm. And I was like, that's... Because I didn't know if that was one of those like words that I just didn't know, or if it was a word they made. I read it. I just assumed that cross patch meant that she had all these different mismatched things together. Like a like a patched up outfit or something. Yeah, that's what I thought it meant. Apparently, I was wrong. I just thought it was weird. It's an interesting word. It's from like the early 1800s or something. So it's just, I didn't know it. Yeah, when Tahara is speaking to Evie about, you know, Evie seems like kind of a bad kid. I don't know if we should trust her. Giant said that she sold a horse, ran all over. And then Russell was like, oh, trust me. She's done way worse than just this is nothing. It's like, oh, she's been spying, she's been fighting, she's been stealing, she's insulting people of great rank. But, you know, well, how can you manage young girls these days? Like, they're always getting into trouble. Like, if you think this is crazy, that's nothing bad. It's fine. I mean, women, am I right, fellas? All the men who <laughs> listen to this podcast. Like... But that was very funny, where she's just like, who can control her? She, she's crazy. And then, you know, we kind of get into Evie saying, like, if she was lying, she'd make a much simpler lie. Yes. She would not make a giant, complicated lie about spirits at a volcano just to not get into trouble. Yeah, that's a real complicated lie. Like, try to have to remember all that. No, that's 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 too crazy. Yeah, she's a, she's a good liar. She wouldn't lie about something. Exactly. After Luvo absolutely roasts the entire village council and the miners, like, I have sons at home who will insult me for nothing. <laughs> like, I don't I don't need to stay here and be insulted. If I wanted that, I could just go home. Yeah, my kids will insult me just fine. I don't need your help. <laughs> okay. My kids are savage. Yeah, that was just very funny. Tahar calling Evie a pepper-mouthed minx. I, I, she's spitting fire, kind of spicy. I, I, it was funny. <laughs> Evie falling asleep with her shoes on. That's how you know you're tired. Yes, very, very tired. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Part two of our three-step reading process is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or message in the chapter. What theme or message did you find? Well, I kind of cheated because I know last week I used the theme of discussion and I feel like I'm using the same theme of discussion because they are still discussing the same same thing that they discussed last week. Still discussing the the, the volcano. I guess if I want to change it a little bit, convincing people, I guess, of things, trying to have to convince somebody that you're not lying, that you're telling the truth. I wouldn't come up with something so crazy to be a lie just so I don't get beat. Because who is going to believe me that there's spirits underground? Like, that's something stupid to lie about. Just a very, yeah, it's a very complicated thing to lie about. Yeah, yeah, right? Mine's in a kind of similar vein. Mine was belief because we have this entire village of people who not going to fault them for not being essentially geologists or like knowing the background of this island that they came from. I think we, people in our world, going to school, learn about earth sciences and stuff. We know about tectonic plates and volcanoes in the ocean making islands. These people, I guess, don't. They are so entrenched in their beliefs that, oh, it's a god on the mountain. Did we forget to sacrifice to that one god? Like, uh, is there one we missed? Our island wouldn't do that because it's never done it before, as far as any of us remember. And then the process of trying to make them understand that, like, hey, you know, just because things have been the same for a few hundred years, in the span of the earth, it, it takes to for the earth to move and stuff. Like, it, volcanoes are how islands are made check these rocks, look at them, ask them where they came from. The, the kind of a changing of belief there that, that our characters are trying to make them understand and the, 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 the village elders are pretty much refusing until they see it with their own eyes. The one I got was support. 
because both Rose Thorn and Miratide, and then of course you've got Giant who are coming in to defend and support Evie, trying to convince these people, hey, you're all going to die if you don't fucking listen to me. I didn't write down a scene, but in honor of Tahar, I'm going to go with sassiness. <laughs> yes, she's delightfully sassy, but I feel like there are some other characters that have their spicy moments in this chapter as well. Ruvo! Since Luvo's the other big one, I could even go with like old people being sassy as the theme, because Tahar is as old as Luvo. Old school sass. Step three of our three-step reading process is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you able to craft out of this chapter? My personal magic is that you can't get through to everyone. Obviously, in, in this chapter, they're trying to convince the, the village elders that, you know, clearly a volcano is coming. We know studies that show this is what's happening. We have someone with literal firsthand experience of what's going on under the island right now. And if people refuse to believe that, like, what, what else can you really do? You can kind of keep trying to bash your head up against it. Most issues that you're going to deal with like this in real life aren't as life or death as a volcano exploding. But, for example, on social media, I, I feel like I learned this in college. It was very much like I get really annoyed when people would post something ignorant on Facebook, something I disagreed with, and I'd just be like, uh, you, you know, just typing it up like, ah, you're fucking wrong. This is why. Get over yourself. Please educate yourself. You're dumb. And then they come back, reply something dumb. And then I would go back and be like, that's dumb, too. You're really, really dumber than I thought you were. You can't do that. Trying to fix people's opinions or knowing that someone is wrong about something and like trying to fix it each time is not worth it. You just can't do that. Most people that you're going to argue with that are like unable to process it. You're just wasting your time and your energy and you know, you could be doing something much more productive. This also kind of goes for personal relationships. Like you don't have to be right every time, even, even if you are. Yes. Uh, no, no, you don't you really don't. <laughs> there are some arguments that aren't worth it if for example you like trying to think of one nothing's popping up but people who say the french are okay that's grounds for divorce but <laughs> something lighter than that you know you got to take the trash out or something and it was your turn yeah you just be like no i thought it was your turn no it, it was your turn yeah you, know, you just kind of go back and forth and it's like you're arguing about garbage just one of y'all take it out just take yeah it out. take it out <laughs> Like, that doesn't mean let someone walk over you each time. It's just not worth having that argument sometimes. But it's their turn. I'm tired of doing it. Okay, well, mine is in the state passage, but mine's the opposite. Damn. <laughs> this passage reminded me of Briar's book, when Briar is telling Rose Thorne, why do you come to this place? We shouldn't have to be helping these people. There's no point in being here. We got out of being poor. We don't need to go back to this anymore. There's no reason to help these people. Rosalind is like, yes, there is a reason to help these people. Even if they're not grateful for it, we need to be there. They're still people. My magic is, even if people don't want to listen, try to help them anyway. Because regardless, they are still people. I wrote, don't give up on people. So oh. basically the same thing. Luvo's here being really nasty. Rose Thorne understands that's not the way to get through someone. If you're like, oh, you're just an idiot, blah, 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 then, well, obviously, like, well, if you think like, I'm you're not going to convince them to change their mind. So, 
no. You call me an idiot. I'm not going to listen. So where do you have to fucking say? And she's willing to, I don't know, I guess see their humanity and, and try. I, I'm I'm going to have to side with Goodwin. Is... Yeah, let's go. No one oh me and Molly agree about that. Yeah. It's a... The world is ending. It really is. So mine's essentially just know when to cut your losses. Sometimes it's not worth the time and effort and strain and the sleep you're going to lose on it. And now this is, this is, could be a person. It could be a project. Like it, it's one of those, like you got to know that sometimes it's just not worth what you're putting into it. You can kind of get into like the sunk cost fallacy on that one too. Like. The time that you've already spent on something makes you like compelled to want to continue. Sometimes it's just not. not worth Sometimes it. you've just got to let the HHR go. It's not worth it. You didn't like it when you got it. There's <laughs> no point in keeping it, and you know this. So sinking four grand into the engine isn't worth it, and you gotta know that. Sometimes you gotta just let it go. Oh no, I feel like maybe why we have me and Molly have different differing opinions is that we're around children a lot more maybe yeah i've seen what happens to kids when people do give up on them wow that's a really good point excerpt time and you guys have already read the chapter so i can't be like this is the title what do you think is going to happen um well you can pretend (laughs) <laughs> well, the title is Helping Out. What do you think is going to happen? I um, think they're going to help out. Who I, I think that they're going to help Oswin throw the children into the volcano. So the, the gods will be appeased. Yeah, that one god that they forgot to sacrifice yeah. to. So Yeah, exactly. They're like, ooh, we forgot. This. We got to make up for it. So we're going we to make up for it. And then Evie's like, you know what would be perfect? eat some children into the volcano and the god will peace and no more volcano it'll be i mean emmy doesn't like people so i think she'd be fine with that quite obviously exactly exactly so they figure out which god it is they help eat some children into the volcano for said god that they that's what's gonna happen carnelian and flair needed new friends to play with we like to end our episodes with an excerpt from the following chapter so this is an excerpt from chapter 11 of melting stones You would just leave everyone here to their own devices. Rosethorn said it. She didn't ask. I was ravenous. Someone had left cheese, bread, and grape juice by my bed. I gulped down the juice. What are they to me? They're not you or Briar or anyone we care about. It's their island. They have to solve getting off. They're lucky I could warn them. I stuffed bread into my mouth. It was a little dry. They must have left it for me yesterday. Rosethorn finger combed her hair. You would abandon even the babies, Evie? Even the cats? Her remark about the cats stung, especially around my eyes. After losing my cats in Yangshi, I had avoided even the ship's cats on the voyage home. What was the use of getting attached when I would leave them when we got to Emelon? Lark had offered to let me have a kitten at discipline. But what if it got sick and died, or was killed by a wagon, or the temple was attacked? Just because I was afraid to have a cat didn't mean I stopped caring about them. It was mean of Rosethorn to hit me on my sore spot. Cats die all the time, I made myself say. In my mind, I could see the dead animals of Gyeongshi. I couldn't save the animals on this island either, any more than I could save the people. And I like animals. The world remakes itself. 
We can't stop it. We'd be stupid to stay. It's time to save our skin. Rosethorn sighed. Lark was worried about this aspect of you. I'm not so fond of people myself, Ebby, but I took my vows for a reason. There are two classes of people in the world, the destroyers and the builders. I want to build, not destroy. You need to ask yourself who you're going to be. Deserting people like Jayat and Tahar or Oswind and Azaze who worked hard to build a good village is a step toward becoming a destroyer. In any event, you're not getting a boat. Mergehide is at the lake. He's reaching to every water mage around the Pebbled Sea. Anyone who's close enough will send ships to evacuate Starks. Azaze sent people to warn the other villages and Sustri. And you are going to Oswin's to help them pack. Oswin is trying to get the mountain villagers down, and Nori has her hands full with the children. So eat up and ride out there. I'd been stuffing food in my face while she lectured. Builders and destroyers. Was this the path they fed people when they took their vows? And I'd always thought Rosethorn was a sensible person. We need to go, I repeated when I could talk. Then the quicker Nori gets the children ready, the quicker we can leave, Rosethorn told me. I knew that tone of voice. When Rosethorn had her mindset, that was the end of any conversation. I grabbed my clothes. Murtide can really reach all the way to Sotat and Emelon in water from here? Her smile was crooked. Why do you think he came? It wasn't because I find his personality charming. I pray the Tengiri of the Winds and Brunog of the Deep send us enough ships to be of help. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us. Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies. You can also help people find us by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Find all our episodes at our new home on ACAST. Shows.acast.com slash Reading Circle Temple. Shake it us. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com. You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. And you can join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. To find us on Twitter, tweet at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellows for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their art by following Yellows for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon and Draws on Instagram. Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic, and thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. I don't know. This feels weird, because usually Goodwin has the positive spin on things. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just suddenly, I'm suddenly jaded today. I'm, 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 I'm bad lose. I'm evil Goodwin. <laughs> Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.